I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. TF3 on a Monday. It is, of course, TF3. It is, of course, Monday. Uh, joining me is SMD. Uh, ST, uh, yeah, SMD, right? Mm, yes, let's, let's call that today. That's you know, what exactly what we'll call it. I was actually, SMD S something. I was actually making, sorry, I've just had some uh, really, really sparkling water. Um, I was actually making some new graphics for the channel the other day. And uh, if you put the SMD in the Sidemen font, it looks a bit like the branding of Sidemen. Um, <laughs> I'm just wondering if we if we bank on that working um, and it attracts clicks. Uh, I'll send you that PSD, Dave, because it's definitely worth you trying it. Yeah, um, Jack and I should chop the guys out as well and just put them on the thumbnail. Uh, you, I mean, if, do you think does KSI stand for like something on uh, kicks shots? Um, integrity or something? Oh, kicks, shots, and interceptions, Lawrence. Come yeah, on. kick shots. Yeah, I mean, uh, how many kicks a game does Alexis Sanchez achieve? Not many when turns Abies on the pitch. Banter. Um, speaking of banter and merchants of such, uh, Chris is great to have you. <laughs> it's a wonderful introduction. I'll take that. There you go. Um, well, I mean, tonight, uh, banter merchants uh, Chelsea uh, did three banters on Middles banter. And the Blues are looking towards the horizon saying, we'll be the first ones over this one. Dave, um, Diagonal Balls had a big um, play in this game, didn't they? Because again, Middlesbrough just didn't seem to be able to reply to anything that a much more powerful side had. Yeah, I think you're getting a lot of components from this Chelsea team that we've seen this season that you know they've got so many assets in there obviously Cesar Aspil Equator popping up with an assist and Fabregas grabbing one and it is those diagonal balls those you know the, the, the sort of cutbacks or slightly angled that are difficult for a defence to deal with especially Middlesbrough that were were very good at the start of the season but have massively dropped off um, in recent weeks 
and they look like they're down now. And Chelsea, you know, again, just taking the sword to them, a simple win. And every single time it was a you know a very similar ball. You know, think of the Costa first goal, it was deflected. Fabio did get a little touch on it, which I was happy that Opta didn't credit the assist to a Chelsea player. Good stuff, Opta. Top work, chaps. But it is interesting that it, you know, it was the same type of pass that kept on unlocking Middlesbrough. And they had no, you know, they had no answer in an attack again. Amanda Traore just uh, at his frustrating best. Uh, he's just a player that's got so much talent, so much potential, but just doesn't slow himself down in the final third or rarely makes a correct decision. It's it's quite interesting that it was similar to Wilfred Zaha a few seasons ago. So maybe if he does get the right manager, does get the right guy like big Sam Aldice, he can change it too, turn his career around. Chris, um, 300th Chelsea. Is, is, that, is that a true stat? A 300th Chelsea win in the league at Stamford Bridge? I've been in the league since inception, I believe. And... Um, so yeah, that that's that adds up, right? Yeah, that sounds about right to me. I could believe that. Yeah, I would have that printed on a t-shirt. Yeah, that sounds about that's, right. That's, that's usually the barometer I look for. I mean, it would be it, it would be a crap t-shirt, but it would still be a t-shirt. Would be shades of uh, remember when Ian Wright did a show up at the wrong goal? For, he had just done it. Oh, yeah. Nike t-shirt. Yeah, that was it, wasn't it? Yeah, bless him. Um, it's a few of people behind the scenes doing research for him. Um, anyway, <laughs> Chris, uh, go on. I mean, uh, 300th win for Chelsea, um, and things are moving in the right direction. Yeah, after a pretty horrible year last year, it, it I guess it shows the almost the the versatility of the Premier League that it, that you can destroy yourself and rebuild yourself in a year if, if you do it right. Um, I mean, at its worst, I guess it shows the the influence a coach can have seeping down because um, it sounds like the relationships with Mourinho just weren't great. But I think it's more important to focus on Conte in the future. And and the future future looks bright for Chelsea, which is very easy to say, given where they are in the league. But I would also root it in the fact that you look at this famous lone army that they have, guys like Christensen, Tammy Abraham... For the first time, I can look at Chelsea and say, actually, I think they've got a little bit of a plan for the future here, the next two, three years. Whereas for the longest time, it was, let's hoover up great kids into the academy, the Brumers, the Van Arnholtz of the world. But then there was actually very little, if no first-team opportunities outside of the odd Carlin Cup tie for them. D- Dave, um, the interesting side is that people have been talking over the last week about uh, Costa leaving uh, Costa allegedly on his way out of Chelsea for a ridiculous amount of money at some point whether that deal's been done now or is to be done in the summer we'll find out um, but in that do you think he is a replaceable striker considering you know, in games like this we do see that the team can win it rather than just Costa alone or do you think he's so integral to the system that they they would find it difficult without him? I think they would find it difficult. I think he gives both, uh, you know, a lot in the the defensive uh, positioning and the, his work off the ball and how he's he's so difficult to play against. You know, if you're a centre back, you haven't got to just deal with his movement, deal with his his touch, his ability to finish from you know outside the area, inside the area, his movement, but also just because he harasses you, it must just be absolutely awful to play against Diego Costa. And I think you take that out, you lose an aspect of that. You see, a Atletico Madrid took a season to get over the loss of Diego Costa before they got back to the high levels of the Champions League again. So maybe it's um, it's something that Chelsea are going to find it a little bit more of, of a struggle than they think. You know, signing someone like Morata could be a good option. Um, Belotti would be a less refined option over in Torino. So Morata would be the perfect guy for them. But again, he's a different forward. He's a pacey He's a little bit like Lukaku, I'd say, in terms of he's a bit of a poacher, but he looks like a target man. 
um, and can finish very, very well in a situation. His goal record in La Liga this season is absolutely fantastic with the amount of minutes he's played. His, his um, goals per 90 is better than Benzema's um, and would give Chelsea a lot. But it's a different player. It's not, you know, it's not as aggressive. Conte's the, sorry, Costa's the perfect striker for Conte because he's so aggressive and because he, um, you know, he can be he can be that guy both with and without the ball. And I think it would be a big miss for Chelsea and Hazard as well. Been linked with the move to Real Madrid. That's their two best attackers gone. That's quite a thing to replace. Mm. I mean, people have been impressed with Pedro this season, but he's not not a Costa or a Hazard. Um, it, it just are there any stats, Dave, that you can sort of measure to see how aggressive Costa is, or is that something that it sort of goes as an intangible right now? Well, I think if you're looking at the tackles that he's, um, you know, put over the season for a for a striker, he's ranked high in the Premier League. You know, his work rate is is very very good. Um, so it's one of these things where it is tangible, but it's also not tangible in a way. Obviously, you can't really measure when he's putting the pressure on the centre back. If you could, it'd be fantastic. But we're not there in in the community at the moment. So it's there, but it's not quite there. You need a few more qualifiers, I'd say, to properly get the the gauge of let's say Costa's pressing impact on Chelsea winning the ball back. Does anyone else ever wonder why they don't just make people wear the um, Prozone or uh, you know other brands are of course available um, sort of vests out on the pitch so that you can? They're not allowed. Why not? Because um, it's got a GPS in it, and apparently you're not allowed to go to your place of work wearing a GPS, even though the clubs do it internally. They're not allowed to do it on the Premier League stage. That's why there's no tracking on players. Could and you again, not replace the GPS with something that uh, is sort of like a, a small GPS? Do you know what I mean? You could, but I think the clubs don't want that data out. I think that's the big thing. It's, I mean, it protects the clubs as much as it protects the players' rights. It it protects the clubs from you being unable to find a weakness in a player. It's more data that data nerds can analyse and, and so forth and find that advantage. So in a way, I don't think it will ever happen. Because it's just too precious. The It'd funny, be silly for clubs to give that away. Well, the interesting thing was a few years ago, we, we um, before any of this was around, actually, I went to, what year was the uh, All-Star Game in Philadelphia? Chris, maybe 2013? Maybe yeah, 2013. Maybe, yeah, 13 or 14. Maybe 13, maybe 12. God, 2012 was a good year. Um, yeah, for football. For, for me in football um, um, <laughs> he's up, go, uh, I think that'll go on my gravestone um, and then uh, I, I went to um, I went to Philadelphia and met a company who were working with Adidas I think this was public yeah this was public um, and Adidas had come up with an idea that you could track all the stats from all the players heat maps on the pitch live and coaches could look at stats live and fans could look at certain stats live and like you say, Dave, there was always the worry that, say, if a, you know, a set of fans were looking at the heat map of, I don't know, Nathaniel Klein for Liverpool over 90 minutes, that they would find that was not preferable within the stadium and therefore fans might turn on a player. And a coach, knowing these deficiencies, would still have to act in some way and almost be forced to act. And I just wonder whether that, you know, considering how corporate and sanitised and how little... Um, Maybe how little maybe fans feel sometimes they're represented on the pitch because you know a new coach comes in with new ideas or whatever. Over time, we see um, maybe we'll see a bit more fan power. I, I suppose it goes both ways, really, isn't it? I was going to suggest you know that instead of GPS, when you were kids at school, I don't think our listeners will have done this. Tags you used to have that wheel. And it was attached to a handle and you used to use it to measure oh, yeah. distance on the ground. All, all and players it would click have after to a drag, drag one of those around. 
And basically, you just get 11 interns to do that. Good. Just track it. How do you... um, It would have to be 22. Although, um, I imagine an intern trying to get someone sent off just so they don't have to do the same amount of running. Um, How do they work (laughs) out... John Joe Shelby. (laughs) How do they work out how far players have run? Uh, you know, like in the Champions League and stuff, well, even in the Premier League, they say, you know, blah, 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 has run further than anyone else. It's based on uh, camera angles and they basically say that a player has gone into a sprint or gone into a run if they move without a one metre square, one metre circle around them. And that's where they say they've started to run or they've started to sprint and they get over a certain speed or whatever, it all drops to a sprint. It's quite interesting. It's not, it's all applied science onto it. Yeah, so it's it's not accurate. It's it's not accurate at all. Let's say it's it's a good judge, but there's no real accuracy to it because technically, if I move half a meter, then I stop. That's not going to be you know, it's not going to be judged as actually somebody running or moving. I suppose... it's, it's really weird. It might not be a meter. It might be a foot, but it's a it's a distance that you can move in. I suppose that really could be interesting though in the future is that actually yeah but they really don't have to they really don't have to maybe in the future if we have really intelligent cameras uh, maybe in the future you don't have to fit a gps the actual tracking of a player will be done visually and you know then that i mean that would be uh, that would be fascinating to see and also possible i'd imagine um you know, if, if players can be individually identified in some way, maybe a camera can recognise a face or a head or whatever. And if you do it from a number of angles and then match them all up, you can work out exactly where a player's been. You may even in the future be able to map a player's emotions. Um, how many I smiles? Saw Doctor Who like that very uh, recently. Really? I don't. Yeah, they, they mapped uh, emotions using emojis to see how the workers were feeling. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. How did that work out? Uh, long story short, the robots that were overseeing the place, um, <laughs> what is it they did? They, any time that a worker got sad, they killed them. Brilliant. And so then when one died, that caused everyone else to be sad and so on and so forth. And then they used their bones as compost. But it's all right because the doctor sorted it kind of. So watch the whole thing. You'll get the story. It's complicated. Ah, Diego Costa, one day his bones will be used as compost. <laughs> um, who knows? Uh, Anyway, I'll probably have that audio that never went out somewhere. If I go back and see if I can find it, maybe there's a, a video on YouTube in that. Maybe there, maybe there isn't. Um, probably. Anyway, uh, let's move on a little bit. Uh, Dave, should we go to the Emirates? I know it's not a happy place for you at this very moment, but for Manchester United, um, it had been for some time. And for Jose Mourinho, it had been for even longer quite a happy place for me actually I've been, every time I seem to go to the Emirates Arsenal lose and elect they were 3-1 up and they, they drew against Monaco against Yardim's Monaco Anthony Martial scored and they won so it's quite a happy place for me it's funny to see Arsenal fans getting mad right and live in the flesh yes. the game on Sunday was was a poor performance for Manchester United was it poor Arguably Dave poor... or was it just under strength no, it was, it was a poor performance. These players should be putting in a better level of performance. But arguably, Arsenal weren't very good either. <clears throat> I think it's the thing. The, goal sh- the game should have been won by the Zaka goal. That crappy shot from 30 yards that deflected around their air and went in, that should have settled the game because they both teams didn't really deserve anything else. They were they were just both a bit poor. And in this shape that Wenger's come out with is, is atrocious. There's so many gaps in it. There's so many holes that you could exploit. United just didn't even bother doing it, you know, exploiting any of those gaps. In the first 15 minutes, they thought, oh, let's let's move these centre-backs out of position. Let's run at them and whatever. And they got some real luck. And then it just, like, completely stopped. And they, 
I don't know what they just decided. They didn't fancy it anymore. And Wayne Rooney dropped further, further into central midfield. Um, and that was the game, unfortunately, Lawrence. Um, Dave, Granite Xhaka, good or bad? Which emoji is he? He's just bang average. He's just got a bang average emoji. Like, he scored a goal that was He's... a heavily deflected shot. I didn't think he played very well. He gave fouls in, in very stupid situations. Gary Neville on commentary was going absolutely mental at him. Yeah. Like every single time that he gave away a foul deep in United's half when United was struggling to play out, it was just stupidity. I think that's what Granit Xhaka is. He doesn't seem to have a good brain on him when it comes to decision-makings in the tackle, whether he'll, he'll, that'll evolve during his career, um, You know whether he'll get that maturity at a certain age. It's an interesting one. At 24, it's probably a lot of that... You know, decision making already happened in his career. But it's funny you so say that, Dave, because actually, uh, Granite Xhaka said today, "No one's going to change my style of play." Do you not <laughs> find that a little bit? Do you not find that a little bit weird? I mean, it's, it's a bit like make you going to work and, and people being like, "Oh, we've got this new software," or you know, "We've we've got a new way of working today," and you sort of going, "Well, no one's going to change me." Mm, that's exactly what I do, right? Yeah, I'm no, the Granite Xhaka no. of the uh, the world. That would be unusual if you were. Um, but you know what I mean? Like it, you, distribution. Yeah. No, you know what I mean, though? That would be unusual if anyone else went to work and went, you're not changing me, mate. Mm. But I think that as well, if you, you know, you not, that's one part of his game is obviously the fouls he commits. I thought he was awful on the ball, far too square on the ball, too safe. And, it, you know, you you think of Santi Cazorla, who's Arsenal's main man in central midfield, been out for the whole season. You see what Cazorla does with the ball and you see Granit Xhaka, you're thinking, Jesus, this guy was 35 million quid. He could have bought the hood for half of that. Yeah, twenty times a player. However, it's you could this, not have lured Dahoud for that. Where, like you, you know, these teams are United and Arsenal, just massively away from where they used to be. Um, especially United, you know, Smalling again, Jones coming back from injury, and what is this going to happen every single season that they're going to be out for five, out for five games, back for twelve games, out again, and every single time they need this one game to get back into it, back into defending properly. And again, it costs United points and arguably costs United the, the spot in, in the top four. But with two in Zabie, they've got a star in the making. You know, a very, very good player when I've ever I've seen him. And he took his chance, absolutely took his chance. Sanchez didn't have a sniff in the game and it was credit to two in Zabie. And I think that with players like that, that have done, you know, that have worked hard for Mourinho and, and taken a tactical instruction and have done it down to the T, that's good for him for next season. That's, you know, that will put confidence in him from Mourinho which is a good thing, and hopefully he can get some game time. I'd love to see him before the end of the season play with Eric Bay at centre-back. Well, maybe in one of these Premier League games, United play 4-4-2, play Martial, play Rashford as a two. Why not? Might as well. You know, you might as well tr- treat these last games as training games because there's nothing that can happen out of them, really, to be honest. According to ESPN, Dave, and this is fascinating, uh, United have a 70% chance of winning the Europa League. Stats? Uh, I don't, I don't actually, actually know roughly what that means uh, but apparently they have a four percent chance of making it into the top four in the premier league are you going to put all your eggs in a europa shape basket mm. i am going to but we've seen like liverpool did last season against the mighty Sevilla. um it's a dangerous strategy what you could say about this ajax team is it kind of falls into the perfect you know the perfect story in a way oh this team's playing very well a lot of young players they press very high they play a good style then there's the Antichrist. It's, it's Jose Mourinho who's just going to come and he's going to sit deep and he's going to nullify everything. And the devils. Do. Exactly. Good. It's one of these things where you, the story's kind of maybe already written. Uh, and if you continue to say those things, then it feels even more inevitable. 
Exactly. So I'm basically I'm starting the political agenda right now for Manchester United. Maybe I should per- purchase some sort of data company so I can you know back up my political agenda. Maybe get some targeted ads on Facebook as well. Maybe maybe you know, rebrand really, yourself really... as Squawker Dave. Yeah, maybe like to you know just to sort of get that sort of Brexit Donald Trump situation where you've you've you know really mined some data hard um, and you've you've created a perfect situation for the world. I don't just think call it, it caca. <laughs> caca. <laughs> Call it, call it, Dave. Just say no. It's 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 not it's not bird related. It's to do with the Brazilian playmate. Yeah, caca, caca. Yeah. And and then when the Brazilian people's legal team go, you should go. No, no, it's after the bird. Yeah. No, no, Squawker. They uh, they're a very similar company. Um. Anyway, uh, but whose bones will end up as compost? Anyway, um, we'll find out on next week's Doctor Who. Anyway, anyone has skipped ahead, they're going to think we're absolutely nutters. <laughs> yeah, but in the Champions League, whose bones? Casting line from North Korea. <laughs> whose bones will end up as compost this week in the Premier League? Anyway, um, the point is that uh, Liverpool have a political agenda, Chris, and it is uh, the Corbyn agenda. The cop uh, was adorned with Jeremy Corbyn's face. Um, mm. And some people got very upset over this because they didn't vote for that. Well, you know, he's got to get some positive media coverage somewhere, surely. Um, yeah, but socialism, Chris. That Liverpool has never, ever been associated with socialism. You idiots. You idiots. Well, <laughs> Bill Shankly, a... Bill Shankly was a classic neoliberalist. We all know that. I, I think you make a very good sarcastic point. I think the devil's advocate in me suggests that you're not really supposed to exalt any one person in socialism either. So there's well, an irony it. there, depending on which way you look at it. I, I think football and politics is very intertwined, whether it's in Powerly with their political causes. Um, you could, could look at it from the adverse way as well. I think... Is it not also an inherently political sport in some ways? I mean, you know, maybe is, people want to say it's a bit of a weird one, isn't it? So sort of say football's, football's not... I suppose most people say they don't mix religion and politics. Some people consider well, football to be a religion. I was just going to say the idea of separation of church and state is a similar debate that I think, while very well positioned, is, is a little bit unrealistic to truly, to truly kind of um, achieve because, you know, you've... The, the two bleed over into each other so consistently that I don't think you're ever going to achieve it. The The difficulty I have with that situation is not anything against Corbyn. I actually like the guy and, and hope that he wins if I'm, if I'm uh, declaring all allegiances. It, it's more that I think when you put that out, you are potentially speaking for people who may disagree. I don't think... I, there are certainly instances where you can broadcast a message and it can be unanimous. I don't know if this is one of them. Um, again, it might be a minority. I can't imagine there are many Liverpool fans who are conservative in the same breath. Is again, it, well, well, yeah, I mean, that would be very, very difficult to find a conservative Liverpool fan. Is, is surely opposing of, the sun also? Uh, I mean, that, that you could argue that as a political stance. Yeah, yeah 100%. I, th- I think... I mean, look, the sun is an obvious one for obvious reasons. And, and you know, anyone I think that doesn't grasp that or, or fails to see why is, is naive to, to the sport in general. The, the, the thing is, it goes back to that idea of, of uh, religion and politics 
you know, being bedfellows again is that you are going to speak for some people that don't want to be spoken for. Um, and there are some people that probably do want complete separation. They don't want to go to the football and, and have a political message broadcast in front of them or, or be associated with it. So, again, realistically, you can't please everyone. Is saying, you can't I'm, please anyone. I mean, Chris, this might seem like a stupid question, but is saying you're against terrorism a political idea? Um... No, the, the the problem with that to get quite philosophical is is that one man's terrorist is another man's freedom fire. Yes, brilliant. That that's the problem is that there are so many. If you if you think of it as everyone is standing around a circular table, the perspective is always different for each person, and just because you can find like-minded souls at that table doesn't mean that there is unanimous agreement. And I think that's the the issue with with those kind of banners. Yeah. Um, I th- that's that's my personal opinion. I, d- I don't think it'll stop. Um, I also don't expect to see a Theresa May banner at Everton anytime soon either. No, although Everton really do need to stay away from any red symbols. So you know, I did actually have an interesting conversation today. Apparently some clubs, and I don't know whether your clubs have been through this, have avoided or were angry about having certain colours on their kit. So Leeds United are sponsored by red, is it 88 or red 32? Um, and they refuse to have, yeah, I think they refuse to have a red logo on their kit because um, it, it Leeds United has never been associated with red, obviously mm. because of uh, obvious reasons, um, and instead they are blue. Yeah, um, I think John Terry opposed to having Black and Decker on his shirt for a similar reason. <laughs> 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 interesting okay um doesn't like orange um no I, I don't think that's ever happened with my club personally i know ironically we started out in red and white shirts and then changed to black and white so yeah liverpool uh, also started out in uh color in blue and black knickers as they called them at the time um there's a sexy historical image <laughs> <laughs> anyway um interesting stuff uh what else happened in the- oh of course uh marco silva lost for the first time, was it, Dave, since uh, March 2014 in a home game? Mm, it's been a while. Good old Silver. Good at defending at home, keeping it tight. But no, it's, a, it's an interesting result. Marco Silva's done great things and he has proved everybody wrong um, who doubted him before joining the Premier League. Showing he's one of the most talented managers in world football, 38 years old. You know, if, if your club's going through a difficult time, maybe like Manchester United, Marco Silva is the answer. He's the answer to everything. I think if you gave Marco Silva a decent budget, I'd quite like to see if uh, maybe Thomas Tuchel does fall out with the, you know, continually fall out with the um, sporting director, whoever it is at Dortmund. I'd love to see Marco Silva at Dortmund, and that'd be quite a nice little fit. <sighs> hipster manager with a hipster club. Oh, Dave. Do you, would you not rather see him stay in the Premier League? Nah, the Premier League's not hipster. Do you, do you think... Money. I mean, do you think the Premier League is a little overrated, Dave? Massively. If you think about uh, the interesting thing, if you think about how, like, let's take Man City, for example. They've got uh, Leroy Sarna, Sterling and Gabriel Jesus. You know, a very talented front three, great podcast. But that's their number one, that potentially could be their number one choice with Aguero injured. You go over to, like, Real Madrid and they've got BBC with Morata, Asensio, Isco as the backup number three. You know, see what I mean? The, The depth of quality in these Premier League sides, is nowhere near where it should be. Chelsea have got a good first eleven. Spurs have got a good first eleven. 
Liverpool have got an all right team. Um, but they're nowhere near their European counterparts. They're nowhere near Bayern Munich, Atletico Madrid, Real Madrid, Barcelona. There's such a, a big golf in quality. And I think we're seeing that from the Champions League result. What, Leicester City were the team that got the furthest? They're currently sitting in ninth position in the Premier League. And they had the best depth. Are you saying they had the best depth? No, I think they just played all their... Pl- they, they, pl- they didn't play in the Premier League this season. They played their first team in the Champions League. Well, they played their best tactics in the Champions League as well. Um, I'm a bit sorry for Silver at the weekend. You lost to David Moyes. Well, there is that. Um, funny enough, Sunderland ending his record, they also ended Mourinho's home record that was of, of similar uh, length. Under which manager? Was, uh, it was a... Oh, God, was it Allardyce? Allardyce, maybe, or no. Might have been Poirier. Yes, I believe it was Poirier. Okay. Um, at Chelsea, at Stamford Bridge, you had like a 70-odd game or 60-odd game. I tweeted the stat out. But the reason I felt sorry for them was because I thought... The, the effort for the most part was there the energy was there the turning point was Alfred and I formerly of Sunderland missing a chance from about four or five yards out in the second half it just came over and he just misjudged the flight massively and, ta- and just from that moment I thought Hey it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad high quality fashion without the price tag say hello to Quince I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I think Sunderland will nick this, you know. Because I, I said last week, it'll go one of two ways. They'll either get pummeled or they'll, they'll snatch a win, which is not Nostradamus levels of prediction. But still, mm. you just thought the longer this game goes on, the more nervous Hull got and the more sort of <laughs> agitated they looked, just kind of desperately trying to, to make something work that wasn't there. What's the result of this game? Well, I can guarantee you it'll be win, lose or draw. Um, I didn't say draw in fairness I'm pretty sure I said win or loss okay, which again s- still not Nostradamus but to be fair if, if it had gone midway between the two and been a draw you would have said yeah but it was a, it was close though wasn't it yeah the side could have win which is kind of what I predicted yeah f- football's the real winner here um, anyway uh, oh and by the way Liverpool drew nil-nil Liverpool uh, were blunt and Southampton were predictably uh, what tactically well laid out against Liverpool, played against all their weaknesses. It was excellent to watch from a Southampton perspective. Awful to watch from a Liverpool perspective. Divacarigi done. Uh, oh, and James Milner missed a penalty. Uh, who in the Premier League thinks it's gamesmanship? Dave, would you be unhappy if Forster had done that to your penalty taker? No, I'd be very happy. I'd, I'd, I'd applaud it. I'd stand up and applaud it. Excellent banter, Chris. 
What did he? What did he actually do? I've heard about. He, did, he just sort of he just sort of chatted to him for quite a long time aggressively, and then roughed up the penalty <laughs> spot a lot. On the flip side of that, in Germany, the Hoffenheim keeper, uh, Oliver Baumann, who probably should move to Manchester City, perfect keeper for them. Um, Kramerich came over when Dortmund had a penalty and basically delayed that and Aubameyang missed it. Well, it was kind of saved slash it was going wide. So gamesmanship's going to be there. And as a striker, you need to not fall into these traps. Or as a left back. Have you ever heard Fraser Forster speak? Uh, do you think that was part of it? Do you think it was like, you know, in the Orcs... Um, I don't think I'll, I mean look Fraser Forster is massive but if I just heard him down the phone I don't think I'd be that intimidated oh is he quite um, what is it's it? like Chris Eubank but a few tones low <laughs> basically oh, <laughs> I don't even know what that voice sounds like <laughs> it's not that intimidating though is it even you laugh <laughs> oh, um, if anyone can mock that up uh, feel free. Yeah, give us your best Fraser Forster impersonation. We are never working with him then. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, give us your best impersonation. Well, no, I mean, impersonating somebody, it, it, Chris, it's a form of um, uh, flattery. Anyway, yes. uh, China. Anyway, uh, that's not my Fraser Forster impression. Ah. <laughs> um, I thought he was in the room there. Yeah. <laughs> he was just going up to, he was going up to uh, James Miller going, we're going to build a wall. It's going to be the best wall. <laughs> Um, should we talk for a second about the Champions League? Yeah, we probably should. Uh, now, uh, Dave, this is also a great time to mention your podcast because of you, with you being a daily podcast, you can give more uh, daily updates on these sort of things. Uh, on today's podcast, the one that's coming out now, are you previewing also Monaco Juventus? Yeah, a little bit of uh, I, I gave. It was more Nico Morales previewing. I was just asking him questions. So if you want my opinion, Lawrence, shoot. Uh, Dave, what, what's your opinion on Monaco Juventus? I hope, I pray that Mbappe bags a hat-trick, 3-1 to Monaco. That would be fantastic. But I think tactically this Juve side is so diverse, is so good, um, so pragmatic, but pragmatic in the right way. But also they keep their you know, intact and attempt with the two forwards. So I expect them to win. I can't see Monaco even scoring a goal. I think the defensive strength of Juve this season has been fantastic. Yeah. And losing Paul Pogba, signing Pjanic, signing Gonzalo Higuain has, has been a masterstroke. And obviously Gonzalo Higuain didn't play at the weekend against Torino. So he's going to be fully fit against Monaco expect him to score again it's kind of like Gonzalo's whole career has uh, you know transitioned to this point where he has missed goals missed chances in finals he has done this he has done that wouldn't this be the perfect time for Gonzalo Higuain to score in the semi-final first leg score in the second leg and then score in the final win it for Juve it'd be perfect perfect little transition for his career but I think it is about him it's about Dybala on the counter it's about Quadrado if he plays but I reckon he might go with Dybala with um, sorry Danny Alves if you're thinking about Mendy got to deal with that um, attacking threat so maybe he'll go for the double fullbacks again whether it is Barzagli or Licksteiner I'd probably go with Licksteiner and Danny Alves this time uh, just so they can be a little bit more agile on dealing with Mendy uh, his direct pace and obviously Lamar ahead of him so that's how I deal with it but it's it's going to be a fascinating game but I fully expect the tie is already over Yeah. In other news um, Juventus have a great home atmosphere in the Champions League um, anyway uh, that, that's going to be good uh, tune in to Statman Dave's uh, football podcast on iTunes if you haven't already uh, the likelihood is you will have you'll be one of those people that already downloads it uh, but if you haven't then please do go over there and give it a go uh, Real Madrid of course Dave also uh, face Atletico your opinion on that before I go to Chris 
Uh, I think it's going to be a difficult task for Atletico. I think they've they've shown this season that they're not very good at chasing um, chasing you know a comeback in a way. We've seen that Simeone does go to this like four two four shape, and it massively exposes them in central midfield. Gabby Koke look a little bit lost um, in this system. So if they want to get back in the game, they've got to keep it super tight. They've got to be you know it's got to be Saul uh, partnering Gabby in midfield, Koke on one side, and then maybe um, you know I can throw Gaetan in there, Carrasco with Griezmann up front could be the way to go but they've got to keep it tight they've got to get that first goal and they've just got to believe and build that momentum if they go out from the start guns blazing it'll be game over Real Madrid will just pick them off from the counter-attack so the Real Madrid team is so patient I think that's the beauty of it it's, it's patience both with and without the ball and I think again it's going to be Zinedine Zidane in the final unfortunately for Atletico who had a big big chance but they kind of threw it away and opened themselves up a little bit too much in that first leg Is that going to be the problem uh, I mean Chris it's going to be, obviously it would be a fantastic final uh, if it were to happen both these teams, though, uh, are a project in being patient, as Dave says. They are, and I think... In different ways, obviously, yeah. Yeah, no, of course. I, th- I think I think sometimes that is one of the hardest things to have in football patience, whether you're talking about the speed of building a project, whether it's building up a move through passes. Patience is one of those things that I'm not even sure if a coach can control it. Because it's all about decision making at the end of the day, and, and that's—I mean—I look at the Champions League as a whole, and, and that's what I've always kind of admired about Juventus is their ability to not panic and see that something better is coming along. Because it can be very difficult to, to look with that forethought and that composure. Yeah, very good point. Although uh, Allegri and Zidane both do seem very good at channeling patience through both their teams. Uh, and at least teaching that. Um, uh, D- Dave, over in Germany, there's not a German side left in the Champions League, of course, uh, but over in Germany, uh, RB Leipzig are putting together a pretty good run for the Champions League at this point. Um, if, you th- if, if you think they made the Champions League, how well do you think they'd cope? So they've, they've definitely qualified for next season's Champions League, and I think they'll do very, very well. I think what they've got is um, you know the balance of a very good system, but... A lot of young players, from what we've seen when teams do crumble when it's their first sort of season in the Champions League, it's either that they've got some old players and they don't have great squad depth, um, or they just lack that intensity to play twice a week with this Leipzig team, because they're all so young. You could see them playing twice a week and doing it very, very well. They will require some signings, but Red Bull have got a lot of money. Uh, RB Leipzig have a lot of money. You've seen with the signings of uh, Olivia Burt that were very, very good signings. If they can make a few more signings this summer... They'll have some top players, but in terms of their style of football, with you know Yusuf Polson as playing as sort of a defensive forward with Timo Werner, it's a great pairing of two players. It's a great front two, and then if you think of Emil Forsberg coming in creating, that's a real good side. And if they can keep the likes of Forsberg, maybe for one more year, cater for one more year, they'll give this Champions League a real good run. And then by that time, they just pull the players over off from RB Salzburg, who have won the um, you know the Champions League at youth level. Bring some of those guys over, and they'll be competitive as anything. But it's going to be interesting because there's still a bit of beef with both uh, Salzburg and Leipzig being in the Champions League, as they are both owned by Red Bull. Or, in quotation marks, they're not actually right. Uh, I mean, is, isn't there a bit of a... Is there a, some sort of issue there? Well, there were murmurings that they wouldn't be able to field two teams in the Champions League. Um, yeah. But I think that might be a... I think because of the ownership of RB Leipzig, that they'll be able to get around it. Um, and I, I think they will. You know, in the world, as we all know, if you've got some money... Over, you know, if you've got more money than the association, you win. You know, Manchester City, 
how many times have they been caught out for finance for going over their financial fair play millions of times psg paid i think it was something stupid like 300 million for a single hoarding in paris uh, to get around the financial fair play it was a qatar airways um hoarding so this is the problem the guys with the money always win and i think we just got to accept that in life um like the donald trump administration well good night everyone <laughs> sleep well sleep well kids um I mean, uh, Chris, while we're talking about PSG, let's talk about the fa- fabulous 5-0 win that they had. Huh? Yes. Um, PSG are a funny one for me because I look at them and I think they should, they should be, you should be better. Um, not just not just domestically. and I mean, look, they've won a number of league, league and titles and, and Monaco's potential title win is, a, is definitely a break in that run of, of success. Maybe efficient is a better word. They should be more efficient because you look at the fact that Kingsley Coleman has left. You look at their academy, to me, seems to produce good players. And yet, I I still don't see enough from them as a club to really believe that they're amongst the elite, that they are going to be in a Champions League final anytime soon. It feels to me almost like they're stuck in a little bit of a no-man's land. And if anything, yes, they will, will likely lose the title to Monaco, but I think, for me, the more damning thing for PSG is the fact that Monaco are going, potentially, if things were to swing around, to a, a Champions League final, or they look more like going to a Champions League final than PSG have. Yeah. And yet, the financial disparity between the two has been significant the last few years. As is, the, as is with many, many teams. Um, speaking of financial disparity, Dave, let's go back to the UK and talk a little bit about Spurs. Uh, Spurs, of course lost to West Ham on Friday now that now this almost feels like old news the one nil um but it almost feels like even older news that at the end of the season when they need to get things done things don't necessarily go well now I don't want to paint them as bottle jobs because I don't think they are um and West Ham actually did a very good job of maintaining and containing them they did just also have a bad game on the night but what what can be taken from this and how can Spurs move forward I think it's a real difficult one. As I mentioned before, with Spurs, they have a wonderful starting eleven, but it is that the depth, and it's so so difficult. How do you manage people on the bench that want to play every single um, minute of action that are playing for a top four team, a Champions League team in the Premier League? How do you cope with these personalities? And I think that's the the next challenge for Pochettino is dealing with these signings that he's brought in that give them something else. But I think it's going to be a build. You know, the, the amount of clubs that are going to come in for Spurs players this summer is going to be ridiculous. You think the 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 Stars, Walker, who definitely seems to be on the move, Eric Dyer, uh, out of Irreld, who's been linked with loads of clubs. It's going to be so difficult. I think that's the kind of the problem with Spurs is they've got this duality of a problem that they've got to keep their first team players, but they've also got to sign players to be at that level that play on the bench. And it's difficult with the the spend that they've got. You know, they spent the what is it, the sixth sixth most in the Premier League. That's behind all the big boys. Mm. They still compete massively. So again, it's just credit to Pochettino and the job he's done um, and to push forward. It's going to be difficult. I can't see this team winning the Premier League, unfortunately, just because of the depth. That's it. Um, I think the manager's fantastic. I think the first 11 is fantastic, but you can't keep them fit all season. They've seen, we've seen that again. They lose one of these guys. Another guy comes in. Is he going to do as well? Probably not. You know, Think if Harry Kane was fit for the entire season, not been injured once. Spurs would have probably won the league, but that's, that doesn't happen. You know what I mean? You're not going to keep all your players fit for an entire season. 
someone will get injured, Ericsson will pull up, Ali will pull up, and it'll take out a small component of their side, and they won't be able to replicate that with whoever's coming in. I think, yeah, there's got to be something else there, but I'll be interested to find out. Maybe we need Boltwood, uh, Adam Boltwood, that is, on the podcast. Um, anyway, uh, let's move even further down the table, or up the table. Um, no, actually, you can only go down from there. Um, Chris, uh, Swansea got the win against Everton, and that mattered. Uh, it mattered a huge amount because obviously it showed that Everton uh, are still struggling to make it to where they want to um, and Swansea are scrabbling to get to where they want to be. Yeah, it's kept the relegation battle fairly interesting. Poor Hull. Um, yeah. You want Hull to stay up, don't you? Don't you? I, d- I do. It's not that I dislike Swansea at all. It's it's more that um, I, I like Silver and I, I like... I like the thought of him succeeding, essentially. Um, but I think I think really what Swansea did and what, what they've done every time this season they found success is they stayed true to the principles that got them to this position in the first place. They played to their strengths with, with short, clever midfield play and then they got it out wide and, and put it in for Lorente to, to stick his head on it because there's a, a theory, at least in, in football coaching, that when you have someone who's good in the air, the idea is you stop them running onto the ball because that, you know, you inhibit the run onto the, the header. The thing with Laurent is he's so big. Um, really, even if you stop him running, it's very difficult to just beat him in a straight jump. And I think that was the, the case with the goal. Honestly, I thought Everton were poor though from start to finish. Only really, I thought Holgate was, was decent-ish. They, they just need the summer. I, I've, thought this for a couple of weeks now. I think they just need the summer to come and they need a, f- a fresh start um, under Coleman and, and some new players. I mean, look, they put 26 million on Balassi and unfortunately he got injured. I don't think anyone could have prepared for that, but it's a sizable player missing that was part of the plans and you assume for that kind of figure was a key component of, of what they wanted to do. So, yeah, I think they just need a uh, a fresh start with the summer. Interesting point. Um, Dave, after the Bournemouth result, of course, who earlier on in the season were being sold as the team who could get relegated, they're looking at a top 10 finish now. After yeah, after the tour door are, Stoke. I think they've still got issues, um, fundamental issues in their side, but they're doing well. I've credit to Eddie Howe. Um, it's, it proved me wrong. Um, I hold my hands up and say, Eddie Howe has proved me wrong. Fair play. I think prove me wrong, Eddie. Prove Joshua me King wrong. Is, been very very good, um, and he's looking like you're finally living up to the the hype that surrounded his, um, you know, being at Manchester United and being seen as a really good player through the you know the under twenty three side, the old reserve side, and so forth. He's finally hitting that level. Um, so fair play to him. I think there is work required for that uh, midfield in the summer, but you know, keep Joshua King could be starting to build something in the Premier League. But I think it's it's going to be difficult to really strengthen them from this position. Like again, not much money. The signings would have to be very shrewd. Can they continually make shrewd signings every single summer? Maybe not. Difficult summer ahead for Eddie Howe. But again, credit to the fella. Yeah, very good point. Um, of course, elsewhere, uh, West Brom show again why Tony Pulis is uh, good for that club. Um, and Pulis sort of answered to a lot of people who have been naysayers this season. Um, there's some quite aggressive comments. Uh, where, where are they? Let me try and find it. Um Someone called him unfashionable, and he said, people who have been giving us stick don't understand, will make a massive profit at the end of the season. This club is run very professionally. 
We have to survive, and we do that very well. Well, yeah. Well done, Eddie. Um, elsewhere, City... Uh, I don't know if you can say that, though, when you signed Jordan Ibe for £15 million. No, no, well, no, no, that was... Uh, sorry, uh, that was uh, Tony Pulis. Oh, OK. Yeah. Uh, of course, Eddie Howe does have to answer that massive question about Money why he signed... his problems in the shower. <laughs> Uh, the less said about that, the better. Um, <laughs> elsewhere, Chris, uh, the club caught in sort of a purgatory now because Liverpool are pretending as if they don't exist. Uh, are Man- no Man City? No, no. yeah, good. Man City. Uh, Man City. Um, yeah, uh, like a geographic purgatory. Sorry. Um, good. Uh, company, of course, scored a lovely goal and uh, loads of people to compliment that. But it was a five-nil win in the end, and Palace got comprehensively outdone. Uh, not that they mm. put in much effort to not getting outdone. No, yeah, it was very much a one-sided fight, this. Uh, I, I see what you mean about Purgatory. It was interesting. It's esteemed company on Twitter. I, I don't know his real name to sound like an absolute nerd. Um, uh, is it Dave Steven? Does. No, it must be, yeah. yeah. If it's, uh, right, okay. So Stephen was tweeting some um, thoughts he had regards to young players and, and the concern about them getting into the first team. And I think it's, it is. It's, it's a limbo that City are stuck in whereby they have a lot of very good players they bought in like Silva, De Bruyne, etc. You just wonder how someone like uh Tossin is it Adebayo? Adebayo, the the big centre back that played against Chelsea. I think it's Adebayo, you just wonder how it, yeah. yeah, he he's just signed a new contract and was the crux of, of uh Stevens point. You do just wonder how someone like him breaks in. Now theoretically the city would be back up to company. I don't know how much you learn being a backup all the time. Yes, you'll you'll have a lot of great training sessions with someone, but you do need game time. And and you look at someone like Rob Holding, for example, who again not an academy player for Arsenal, but how much his games improved game to game playing for Arsenal because he's actually playing and he's being tested. And I, I feel like it's going to need a change of mentality from City because while they've put a lot of money into this academy and there's a lot of good intentions, there hasn't actually been a lot of faith shown in, in the players in important moments. It's been lots of, we'll put you in in a cup tie and we'll we'll give you this chance here when, when really you're surrounded by great players anyway and we're against the lower league side. I just think they have to, to show that little bit of faith. You, you just look at Man United, for example, and, and Twinsaby, I'm sure they will we'll talk about how good he was until the cows come home you're never going to know until he plays and that's the thing until then he's just a good highlight compilation mm, very good point um let's go back abroad uh first of all we're going to say congratulations to diego maradona who got himself a job again uh he's now technical director of a uae side uh elsewhere uh real madrid won four nil and uh barcelona won four one um, who else? Uh, oh, I've got a good one for you here, Dave. Uh, Dick Advocat has been uh, made coach of uh, Holland. That's an interesting one. Um, Hollitz's assistant. Um, there's a lot of promising players that are currently in the area of You think of Feyenoord and, and Ajax right now that have got very youthful sides. Uh, so it, it could be a really interesting move. Uh, Dick Advocat. It seems like they're going backwards again. They've kind of got tried to go forward with uh, Danny Blind um, after LVG. It kind of seems like they're going back to this old manager to see if it can work it out. But again, they're in a bit of disarray in their group 
for, to qualify for the World Cup. So there's a lot of work to be done. But if he can bring this youth through and uh, you know put it together, they'll be fine. But it's it could be another World Cup missing where we, we don't have the, the beautiful orange of Holland or the Netherlands, for say. Yeah, but why don't we call them Holland anymore? <laughs> um, I don't know. Um, yeah, uh, have we co- have we covered we covered quite a lot on this week's podcast. Anything else to cover? Has anyone else got any other good news? Oh, uh, we should go and revisit Sully Montari. Um, Sully Montari, of course, um, has had good news since he's had the ban overturned, uh, and of course, even better news for him. Um, there was, a, I think, a. Uh, a big press meet held um, to talk about what Sully has been through in recent years. Uh, I can't remember where it is. I think it is somewhere in Italy. Um, but I've seen certain people tweeting about it and talking about his experiences, how it doesn't just happen in one game. It happens in a lot of games. Um, so, yeah, it, um, I think there's a long way to go there. Uh, and he says if they just continue to talk about it, then it could change. But then... We've been saying that for quite a while. We have been talking about it and it has not changed. So what needs to change in the conversation? Um, some interesting tweets the other day from Ahmed Youssef. Um, we'd love to hear, of course, more from you and more of uh, his opinion as well. Maybe he deserves to come back on the podcast sometime soon. Um, yeah, anyways, but it's, it's been good to chat to you guys this week. Um, Dave, if people want to go hear you later in the week, where can they go hear you? Yeah, on the Snap Monday Football Podcast as well. Go over to iTunes and drop a little review on there. Um, make me laugh. Do that. Five stars, of course. Make me laugh, children. Um, Chris. Uh, oh, Chris, we can't finish the podcast without talking about the glory that you went through this weekend. Uh, Rafa Benitez and mm. what he's brought to your club. Um, you had a little exchange with him, which is more than I've ever had with Rafa, but I would treasure if it did happen. I did. Um, I had. Uh, it's it's a longish story, but basically the, the players leave the stadium Please by tell the, it. the tunnel. And... As I had just finished talking to to Jose Perez about DeAndre Edlin for a, a piece I'm working on, I was coming up the stairs and and there was Mr. Benitez coming down at the same time. What do you um, do? What do you do? I, you know what it was. I thought I can either just say hello or I can actually have a conversation because if I'm honest, I don't know when I'm going back there. I'm highly unlikely to ever actually get a proper interview with the guy, so I thought, you know what? No, I'll 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 take this moment and and have a bit of confidence because. Uh, He's he's a lovely guy. If if I, he is, he really is a lovely guy. I remember many years ago when I was just starting out, um, I was a little bit too polite in press conferences and used to put my hand up when I wanted to ask a question. And uh, he actually stopped a guy from talking and said, "No, no, he's been waiting with his hand up for two or three now." Uh, so I think it's years it's about. Uh, and and actually joked with me at the time that I had to had to be faster with the questions. And it was just things like that. You, it sounds daft to to anyone listening, but things like that are just. They're nice little moments where it, it, it feels uh, surreal. But no, he's a lovely guy. He's done a fantastic job. Um, and as for the game yesterday, yeah, probably one of the the best games I've I've been to just because of that atmosphere. And I think, as I, as I wrote for, for ITV, it just boosted the momentum and the morale an extra couple of notches. Um, because when Villa went down to 10 men, I think everyone... In, in that stadium, self-included, thought, right, that's that one, done and dusted. And the fact that they conceded 89th minute with Newcastle 3-0 up, it just, yeah, it just boosted up to, to 11, to use a Spinal Tap reference. Excellent reference. Uh, Chris, as you guys come back up, uh, where do you see the signings? I want to see a good number 10. 
Yes, I would like that too. I think it might be Tom Kearney, who Rafa likes a lot. Uh, there's that many players been mentioned so far. It's, it's really difficult to gauge where it is. They're going to have talks soon. Hopefully, though, we will positively, I'll be dumbfounded if, if Ashley does anything but just say yes to whatever he wants. Really? Um, but yeah, because he, he's built something. He, he's not just built a team and got them promoted. He's, he's um, I think he's he's reconnected a fan base with the club and that will have financial benefits. That will see them spend more money because there was a lot of uh, protests under Pardew and things like that where fans just didn't want to spend money. They didn't, didn't go to Sports Direct, didn't go to the club shop, things like that. Little individual protests if you will so you know my my stance um and in inverted commas whereas now i think for the first time since hewton possibly even before that before ashley came on board everyone's pulling in the same direction um no one's really questioning anything and i think that is a testament to the the job that benitez has done Excellent stuff. Uh, well, let us know your thoughts on who's going up and who's going down. It'd be good to chat to you guys. Um, thank you very much, Dave. It's good to have you. Charles. And of course, Chris, thank you very much as well. Always a pleasure. Uh, we've not fulfilled the full hour, but I'm sure that people will still uh, look at the download and think, hey, that's value for money. Um, so thank you very much for joining us. Of course, you can leave a review on iTunes uh, and you can leave a review uh, in your head. Uh, that that won't get us any stats though so please don't do that uh, go and follow us on Twitter and of course on uh, YouTube as well where we're building a little following over there uh, and if there's any where else is it, do we still have a Facebook page? Yep. yes we do right uh, good we're all across it uh, go and take a look at those things and we'll see you guys again real soon right here on TF3 deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 